Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. It's that time again, Geek Block heads. Put on your triple slippers and get cozy. It's time for the Geek Block. I'm your host, Carla Hoke. This year at the Realm Makers Writers Convention, I was looking around the room for folks to have on the show. And I saw this lady and I thought, now I've interviewed her. And then I kept going. I thought, wait a minute. And I realized that she was on my short list of authors that in my head, I have interviewed these people. But there's a lot in my head that isn't real. And this was one of those things. Um, I had to have her on the show. I can't believe I haven't had her on yet. It's crazy. I think she's written more books than Dr. Seuss, so it's ridiculous that I haven't had her on. My guest today is award-winning writer, Lauren, Laura Van Arendt-Dockbaugh. How are you today, Laura? Hey, I'm doing well. Thrilled to be here. Hey, did I, did I pronounce everything correctly? You are really good, yeah. Uh, awesome. I, I, I would, there's a very slight vowel change. But I think that we're just going to call that Texas versus Indiana and call it good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, right off the bat, tell folks how they can find you on social media. Uh, I'm on a variety of platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and on, on, on Tumblr and Pinterest. Uh, Laura, V-A-B, Victor Alpha Bravo dot com is kind of my hub, and then you can track me out from there, whatever your favorite venue is. Do you like social media? I, I, yes, yes, it's a guilty yes, but it's an, it's an honest yes. Yeah. It is I mean, amazing. I'm a writer. I sit, I sit in a room by myself. And so that's where, like, that's my social connection. Like even in my day job, my day job, you know, I, I run a small business and I work by myself or with one other person. Like, so going out in social media, that's where my socialization happens. <laughs> so. Oh, how do you keep yourself from getting sucked into it? Because social media is one of those things that you're going to spend five minutes on, and then the next thing you know, it's dark outside, and you're supposed to be in yeah, bed. How do yeah, you I keep don't, yourself I don't know from that I'm getting qualified. in that? I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that question. <laughs> that would imply that I actually can keep myself from getting sucked in. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, I totally get sucked in. There are days when I, I have a lot of guilt about it. That's why it was a guilty yes earlier. Um, on the other hand, there are times when I'm just like, okay, I'm walking away. I'm doing this now. And, right. and sometimes for me, that's actually, I'll work on a different machine. Like, you know, my, my phone will have Facebook and my computer won't, won't have it open or, or something where I can, I can just have, obviously there's a, I can click a button and it will magically appear, but it's not already there. <laughs> right. Right. I took, I took my email off of my phone because it was just, I needed yeah. to have a place where people couldn't reach me. But, you know, it, there always comes a time you think, oh, why don't I have an email on my phone? But, yeah, you got to have an escape. Yeah. But I t yeah, I never even thought about that, that sometimes that is people's, you know, chance to get out and mingle. Because we are, we, mm -hmm. we do work in our house. We live in our own little world. Right, right. And I have lots of people talking in my head, but most of them aren't talking about me. Yes. So I need, I know. <laughs> I need to go. <laughs> I try to keep mine quiet. It doesn't work too well. Okay, I joke that you've <laughs> written more books than Dr. Seuss. Um, and as of this interview, that's not exactly true. But you know what, tomorrow's coming, who knows. Tell folks how many books you've written or been a part of as a contributor. Do you even know? I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, let me think. Okay, so 
the contributor thing is is um it's tougher. I I have done a number of anthologies and I would I I'm gonna say that's probably we're totaling somewhere in the fifteen fifteen or sixteen right. books range. I don't know. Um right. but yeah, I I the anthologies really help that and and that's like I wrote ten thousand words and I get to count that as a book. So I feel a little cheaty. Yeah, that's that. awesome. Um, no. not the same as writing, you know, an eighty or hundred thousand words for a novel, so well, you, I, I kept looking at different sites to to find how many books you've written, and you know, Amazon has kind of become the it's it's the Wikipedia of authors. That's what I call it because you want to know yeah. how many books somebody's written. You just look them up on Amazon. But then I would find something else, and then I would find something else. Like I, I can't, I keep getting different numbers. But whatever number I counted, and of course I didn't write it down. I've been interviewing folks for about six years now, and you've written more books than anyone minus. Minus Thomas Locke, aka Davis Bunn, but in fairness, I I think he's getting an extra hour in the day. The rest of us are not getting. And I that's, wrote down that I believe he is. I think he, he gets has twenty four hours hour. per per pen name. I think, I think twenty four hours per pen name. Yeah, so that's, I'm with that's you. way. That's, yeah, yeah. Right. I think that you tied with Kathy Tires because, like you, hers are hard to track down. You know, you get, you get, you see, okay, here's Kathy Tyers books. Wait a minute. There's one over here that's not in this list. Well, wait, there's one. Wait. So, but yeah, yeah. You have penned more books than Bob Liparulo or Tosca Lee. Did you know that? Oh, man. I'm I know, a badge girl. for that. I, that's like an achievement. You, I, I okay. will make you awesome. one. I will, how long have you been writing? Uh, I've been, been writing since, writing since, pretty much since I could hold a pencil. Writing well is a much shorter period of time. <laughs> um, How long have you I, been writing my first, publishing? My first fiction publication was in 2012. I did I did do nonfiction, like some freelance work and stuff before that. Right. Um, my first fiction publication was in 2012. Are you serious? So, Just 2012. That, so five years ago, I'm that's serious, it. But, yeah, yeah. But I had like, oh you know, there, there was a little bit of backlog. Here, Here's, let, let me let me say this, and this is this is something I really really believe, um, and it was something that was hard for me to hear as an as an early author. But on the other hand, I think it was good for me to hear as an early author. And um, uh, uh, Ray Bradbury was the first person I think I can track down who actually said this: that you know you write a million words before you start getting good at your craft. And yeah. you know, when, at the front end of that, you're like, oh my gosh, a million words. But by by 2012, I had put in most of those million words, and so mm-hmm. then it actually got faster and easier for me to put out decent work, because trust me, trust me, there's a lot of those million words that are never going to see the light of day. Um, <laughs> those are those are bad things, and but I needed to write them because you only right. get better by practice, right? So um, when I hit 2012, my first fiction sale was actually in like 2008, I think. Uh-huh. And but that didn't get wow. published. Um, and uh-huh. so but I was still working. So then by 2012 came around and I actually started publishing things um, that I, I was I was prepped. You know, I was I, I had right. I had, um, you know, a pool to pull on both of ideas and work that I had started. And also just I got better at doing stuff faster. So clearly a little soapbox. Oh my for the day. Yeah. Oh, my word. OK, so I all that taken into account at this point I would say whatever your process is you've got it pretty well streamlined like a bullet 
what is your process in writing and go slow you write fast but tell talk slow because <laughs> i want to write it down i want to know what you were doing that you are able your executive function in your brain you must have to have an extra piece of skull that i don't have because your executive function <laughs> must be out of this world that you are able to go from head to hand that quickly well I'm going to start by disillusioning you and tell you that I don't have, I'm still working on my process, um, which might, might, maybe that's the secret is to just keep trying to find ways to improve things. I don't know. Um, I, one thing I do believe in very strongly is letting yourself con subconscious do the heavy lifting. Um, oh. So I can work on something and I'll have a premise, I'll have an idea. And if it's not flowing, put it down, walk away, either work on another project or go do something that's not even writing related at all and come back to it later and see what your brain spat up while you weren't looking. And oh, that to me works a lot better. And this is, this may not be true for everybody, but for me, if I sit there and stare at, I don't know, an outline. And when I say outline, I mean a series of a half dozen bullet points because I do not outline right. like like I have friends who have very detailed outlines and they're amazing and that's not how I work. I'm, so I'm, I'm so jealous of that, that but of, I can't do that. Oh I my God. I have, I have friends like good, good writing friends, critique partners, and they have like color coded, you know, six oh pages gosh. of, you know, and I just look at that and I'm like, I, I just get intimidated even looking there. Me too. Me too. Me <laughs> so too. that's not me. Yeah. Um, but okay. what I can do is if I'm, if I'm looking at that, you know, six bullet points that I'm trying to get down, and I can't get the next bullet point and nothing makes sense. It's like, okay, freaking out about it. Because then you, the more you stress about something, the less, you know, the less creative and the less, uh, you know, right. out of the box that you're going to be able to be with it and just go do something else. Um, I frequently have more than one project that I'm working on at a time because then that gives uh -huh. me a chance to go work on something else. And, um, yeah. and then my subconscious usually comes up with something better while I right. go do something else and then I can come back. So I don't know if that's a secret, but it's at least what that I That is awesome. That's actually very good. That's And I like, I'm glad that you brought up having more than one project going on because if you can't get something out in one area, if you can get it out mm -hmm. in another area, you still feel productive. So you Absolutely. don't, you know, you don't get down on yourself. Absolutely. I love that. You were the first, you were the first and, author on the show to ever say that. That's brilliant. Oh, well, cool. And the other thing about that is writing is writing. So yes, if, is. if I'm really stuck in one area, but I can get some flow going elsewhere, we're going to pick up that first one just kind of by, you know, by association, you know, like I'm going to get right. into the creative mode. I'm going to get into, you know, some problem solving part state of mind. So yeah. And it's fine that if you have, I think um, somewhere I read, I hope I'm, rem I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but I hope, Somewhere I read that Stephen King had a, always had a back burner story that he would call the toy truck. Like, I'm going to go play with this toy <laughs> truck right now. It's not the project I'm really supposed to be working uh -huh. on, but the toy truck. And he would use that if he needed to take a break, but still feel productive. And I think, you know, who am I to argue with Stephen King? You know, obviously it worked no for him. So. Yeah, no kidding. That is absolute. I, I mean, I'm really just kind of sitting here with my mouth hanging open going, that is so, because I, I'm like you, I can't, I, there's no use of me staring at a screen, except that you, I'll just get yeah. down on myself. So if I could go work on something else, because you're right, writing is writing. Um, mm -hmm. All right, you do have another job, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But when you, when do you write? How do you fit it in? Um, 
so I'm going to I'm going to preface this by saying this is definitely not advice. This is the, an answer to the question. <laughs> may not be advice. I write. I don't have a strict schedule. Um, I mm-hmm. write not necessarily when the muse strikes because I think that's a good way to dig into a habit of not writing. But oh. I will write during the day. I will write at night. I will write. Um, you know, just and sometimes I will block it into my schedule. And sometimes I'll be Uh like, I'm just going to sit down and write tonight. And, you know, maybe, you know, there's no, there's, I'm not going to go to a movie. I'm going to, I'm going to write or something. And you just try to, I'll I'll try different times a day. Now I, there's a lot of people who would be horrified by that because they train themselves to be, yeah. And, and that's, so like I said, I don't know that this is advice, but, um, but on the other hand, you know, there's a lot, I I tend to write better in the evening and at night. I do a lot Uh of late night writing. Um, uh-huh. so yeah. But what do you do when, you know, you got a deadline coming up and whether the creative juices are there or not, you got to squeeze them out from somewhere. So what do you do? You can't force creativity. I, I mean, you just can't, but the fact is sometimes you have to get the job done. What do you do when you find yourself in one of those crunches? Dark chocolate covered almonds. <laughs> <laughs> That's my drug of choice, uh, which is sad right now because I'm not supposed to have the dark chocolate or the almonds. So I guess I'm just going to oh. go through a dry period. Um, but yeah. no, the, the, um, the, because I've definitely been, I actually was kicking around the idea of doing a blog post of how to write under pressure, or at least how I write under pressure, which again, may or may not be everybody's, you know, approach. Um, because I had this year, several short story deadlines that, you know, came up like within days, like, you know, under a week, um, they all let me get the story out. And, um, and yeah, you're, that's, I don't have time to do, you know, the walk away and come back in a week and see what happens. Um, so for that I did, um, one is I found really emotionally evocative music. And, um, I sometimes like Lindsay Sterling would be one or, um, you know, Nightwish or, you know, just something, I I have a whole playlist of music that's just sweeping emotional music. Um, and it doesn't have to relate. Like I don't have playlists that relate to a project. I just have playlists that make, give me the feels. (laughs) Right. Give me a bunch of feels and I'll pick and choose and, um, and I'll move around a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I'll, you know, I have a walking uh, treadmill desk, which Ooh. is great for people who sit on their butts all day, like writers. Yes. So yes. Um, I think that definitely helps with blood flow and, you know, not letting your brain just coagulate. <laughs> so, and you don't, um, you don't and, ever get so preoccupied with writing that you trip up. Don't lie. I don't, but it's also, it's moving wow. very slowly. Like, I think I walk okay. at. I walk it just under a mile an hour. Like the idea is okay. not to log right. miles. The idea is just to be right. it's standing moved. and moving. Right. Yeah. Right. And my natural walking pace is between three and a half and four miles an hour. So it is nowhere. I walk very fast naturally. Uh-huh. It is nothing right. like walking. It is just active standing. <laughs> so I didn't um, know there was such a thing as a treadmill. There's a thing that's a treadmill desk. Oh my I'm gosh. I'm so yes. out of the loop. And, and actually they're the really... What well, what I have is not actually like if you go and look at commercial treadmill desks, they're amazing, and they cost a lot of money, and I'm cheap. So uh-huh. mine is um, a cobbled together version with a treadmill that is possibly the cheapest treadmill that has ever been manufactured. 
and it's awesome. a horrible t- design, and occasionally it tries to murder me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but. I, I tell myself that when it when it breaks and wears out, as it will, I'm sure, within the next year or so, because it's such a terrible piece of equipment, then I will invest and upgrade in a proper treadmill desk. Um, wow. Because at this point, I know how well it works for me. But I didn't want to invest in one until I knew that it was a good idea for me. So. Wow. And and the keyboard, is that a good height and all that kind of stuff? It's a comfortable? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're er- tall, In matter. fairness, you're not a mere mortal. How tall are you? I'm five seven. That's only three no, years of the average you American are like five woman. I'm you are so much taller than that. I'm five seven and I have big hair. <laughs> what? I had this view that I really I, in my head. Okay, I this is every time I look at you, I think that is what Viking Barbie looks like because you're super <laughs> tall and you're super. <laughs> it's the truth. I think that's Viking Barbie. Because and you're I am putting five that seven. on my next name tag. I am putting that on Viking my next Barbie. name tag. You I'm are. Not even Viking Barbie. Five seven. Oh my gosh, I'm so disillusioned. I can't believe that. Wow. Well, you come across <laughs> as much taller. Okay, okay. Oh, the song yeah. Weaver's Vow. Let's talk about the song Weaver's Vow. I will talk. I need to just have you on the show and just let you talk about your writing process. And I'm literally putting a star on something right now to remind me that because it's fascinating. That is some really good ideas, and th- but they're ideas that absolutely specifically worked for me, and I mean, I, mm-hmm. I know this interview is yours, but this show is mine, and if it's going to make me a better writer, I'm going to have <laughs> you back on. That's all there is to it. Songweaver's Vow came out this spring. Is that going to be a series? You know, it was not planned to be a series, but people keep asking me about a sequel, and I keep saying, have you read the book? I don't know how I would make a sequel <laughs> after that. And, um, that is and not then their they problem. That, that's Laura, your you're problem. creative and that's your problem. It's exactly, that's they're right. like, that's your problem. And I'm like, so, right. um, okay. So no promises. I can say it was intended to be a standalone, but if I keep getting right. nagged, I may see if I can come up with an answer to that question, but no promises. <laughs> okay. It's up for a, an award, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, I'm waiting well, to hear that. back, but it was up for best of 2017, which I thought was oh, pretty cool. Good. Yes. yes. Who did your cover? I like that cover. I love that cover. Um, that covers from Demanza. Um, and uh-huh. uh, that I just, I love that cover. It was worth absolutely every penny. And that was, you know, people talk about the cover process. I think that was the 13th concept that we came up with. Oh my so, word! Yeah, but it was so worth so worth going yeah. through um, that to get that because I I love that cover. It's very evocative and it definitely sells right. the books. You have some great covers. Who came up? Okay, am I saying this correctly? Kitsune, is that how you say it? Yeah, Fox Kits- Books. Yep. Kitsune. Yeah. Oh my word! I really okay. I have a request that you make a T-shirt with that little fox on it. I absolutely love that. Who came Done. up with that cover? Who came up with that Done. cover? The T-shirt already exists. You can have one. Um, it does. Yeah. I love that little yes, guy. It does. Yeah. Those foxes um, on on the Kitsune covers were actually done by a tattoo artist, and I loved. <gasps> Yeah, you know, there were tattoo designs, and I loved it. And yes, I wrote that's her what I, I like asked about if I could them. license yes. them. Yeah, and oh. I asked if I could license them for the book, and then I had someone color them because they were uh, they were just black ink tattoo designs. So um, I so absolutely yeah, she wrote love me, them. 
she wrote me a license for that. So yeah. And then okay, so why I, I do you love get the that shirt. Where can I get the T-shirt? If if your listeners want a T-shirt, you can acquire one via my website. And yeah, um, yeah, because I love that. I love that uh, three-tailed kitsune so much that it's on my (laughs) T-shirt. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, speaking of T-shirts, and boy, this is a that's a rough segue. I know that. Tell us about what you do in costuming. (laughs) Um, I'm a cosplayer. Um, which is uh-huh. a fancy way of saying I'm a nerd who plays dress up. You play dress up. Um, I know. I'm so, the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, I'm part of a group called and sewing is half the battle, which is uh, uh-huh. three friends who costumes, we teach costuming workshops. We do appearances. Um, we've done educational events. Uh, we've actually been contacted a couple of times to do, work for a museum or um, my sister who's in the group um, uh, actually does theatrical and film costuming. So, I mean, there's, um, there's a lot that it's kind of a very broad application of the costume theme. Um, But we go to conventions and. Do you do more fabricating or sewing? Or or do you do equal? We do both. Yeah. And so um, there's, there's a lot of we we started with more more sewing of uh you know traditional cloth fabric stuff. We do a lot of resin and silicone and such work now. Um so we actually we just at Gen Con a, a few weeks ago, we taught a basic mold making um for resins and uh, and silicone okay. workshops and that's a lot of fun um because a lot of people come into that who have never done this before and then they leave with a project right. that they made so yay um that is very cool and that that is a lot of fun because you can just get into like some really cool crazy cool stuff there so yeah yeah okay you know so few folks really know how to sew anymore um you know when your kid uh, my my niece was in um in chorus and they had to have some skirts altered and everything and and they asked you know what parents know how to alter and my sister raised her hand and she was the only one folks my sewing skills are very poor but folks nobody really knows how to do that the way they used to what got you into sewing was it the costuming that got uh, you into sewing or did you know how to sew costumes. No, cool. no. In fact, um, I'm pretty certain, like, good. I'd put good money on the table that the only reason I passed home ec, because I was from the generation where the girls had to take home ec, you know. Oh, I and, loved home um, ec. The boys got to t- I hated home ec. And, and the boys got to take shop, and we had to take home ec, and it was a nightmare. And the only reason I'm pretty sure that I actually passed that class was that so she would not have me back for a second time. Oh. Like, it was, <laughs> it was a terrible, terrible experience. But we wanted to cosplay, and so we are 100% self-taught. Um, oh, that's for, awesome. You know, just just learning stuff for cosplay, and it, and we, we it's funny because we teach these workshops now, and we got a lot of you know younger people, um, you know, in the in the workshops, and we're like, yeah, when we started this, there was no YouTube. Like you just yeah, <laughs> there oh wasn't a way to easily look this up. And they're uh, right. Yeah, and so yeah, and they're just like, oh no, no, you just YouTube a tutorial. I'm like, yes, that's that's because now we have that, you know. Right. But it was really good. It was really good for us because actually we were able to do a lot of crazy out of the box stuff that you know I've talked to professionals who are like, well, this is impossible. And I'm like, but I've done it. But it's right. because I came at it from a 
I didn't know what was and was not possible. I didn't know what was and was not right. correct. And so we were able to produce something that, you know, somebody with more traditional training would have said, well, let's, let's not go there. You know, <laughs> so. Right. Right. You hadn't learned to think a certain way. It's kind of like when, uh, oh, you know, the white belt in the class ends up beating the higher belt in the class. It's not necessarily because the white belt's better. It's because they haven't learned to think a certain way. They're still looking right. at all the possibilities. And that's what, and so you taught right. yourself to go by patterns and everything. Yeah. And we learned quickly which patterns are newbie friendly and which patterns are not newbie friendly. <laughs> so, uh -huh. Um, and then there was a lot of times we looked at a pattern and, you know, cause we're making stuff that's not, you know, we're, we're there is no pattern that, you know, for a space alien, you know, headdress or, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. so we're looking at a lot of yeah. stuff to, uh, you know, like, okay, well, here's a basic shape and now let's just go off and invent our own variation of that. So pattern reading was important, but not critical, if that makes sense. Right. Right. So now, now we can go ahead and now we can do that. Now we can teach people how to read patterns. And, that's, and when we were getting started, we were like, "Hey, stop! Let's see what works." <laughs> right. Yeah. That is so. That is so cool. I wish I had that ability. I absolutely do. I do wish I knew how to sew. You, and I'll tell you what, you two have spoiled could. people. You know, you know, I know basic stuff, and I've I've been to um, the the sewing store, and they've given me the tutorial of working around my my sewing machine, and everything. And and it is it is not that hard. It's just you got to put the time into it. It's like anything. If you're going to be good mm -hmm. at it, you're going to have mm -hmm. to put the time into it. That is so, you right. are a renaissance and, woman. My goodness, what do you not do? <laughs> Tell people what you're not, what you are doing when you're not sewing and and writing. What is your day job? My day job is in animal behavior, mostly animal behavior, a little human behavior, mostly animal behavior. Um, and so I own a training business, and then I also am an instructor for an international academy, Karen Pryor Academy on Animal Training Behavior, uh, to train trainers. So. Is there any particular animal awesome. you like to focus on? Um, it's I train mostly dogs because that's what everyone has. Um, I do definitely right. work with other species, um, but uh, you know, there, dogs are everywhere. And I made the mistake right. of naming the business Canines in Action, which is not a mistake. I, you know, it's, I love the name, but right, it does say Canines right in it, so people will assume, oh, well, she probably doesn't work with horses. Sure, I do. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering how many cats you have in that situation, though. Cats will not be lorded over by anyone. Have you ever got right, a situation where someone asks you to help train their Do you Have you ever tried Absolutely. to train a cat? Really? Absolutely. Yeah. And they didn't have you under so their thumb the whole time? <laughs> you are 100% correct that cats do not like to be, you know, lorded over. Like, you know, cats don't like to be bullied. Like, really, who does? They right? don't. We've selectively... We've selectively bred dogs to let us bully them. Cats have yes. not been able to achieve that. But I the know. kind of thing it training I do is called Yeah, you're right. The kind of training I do is clicker training. It's all positive reinforcement based. And the mm -hmm. good clicker training, both the trainer and the learner think the whole thing is their idea and they're having a great time. So it's actually a great training method for cats and um and I can if you if you I can send you videos of kittens doing cool things you know like all that oh but it's word. it's um it's because you're not trying to bully the cat into it because trust me that's a bad idea like nobody yeah. wants that cats are not going to be bullied in anything yeah 
I can see my cat no, looking at me no. just going, yeah, keep that up and walking out of the room. Okay, we had yeah. a pretty sizable flood here in the Houston, Texas area. And because of that, I think I heard something have, about that. Yeah. yeah, I think we had a little bit of rain. But you know what? Our, do- our animal yeah. shelters are kind of full right now. And they're really encouraging people, you know, hey, come out to the shelters and let's adopt a dog. So if my family and I are going to a local shelter to adopt a dog, which is where everybody ought to get their dog as at a shelter, what should we look for? And a dog oh, for our really? home. Um, how much time do we have to cover this topic? Just, 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 a, um, just a few basics. Right. So real quick, um, there is no one perfect dog for everybody, just like there's right. no one perfect person for everybody to date. Right. So you need to kind of know, like, what is your energy level? If you're a person who wants to sit on the couch all day, you probably shouldn't adopt a two-year-old Malinois. You know, you should you know, leave yeah. that to the okay. person who likes to jog, you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, and then the, the other big thing I tell people is it's really easy to get caught up in breed. You know, we were like, oh, I want a dog that looks like this or, or this breed is supposed to have this personality right. type. Yeah, but look at the individual dog because every bell curve has two ends. And if hmm. you find the perfect dog for you, but it's not the, the breed that you thought would be the perfect breed, believe the dog, not the breed book. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are active Labradors and there are lazy Labradors and, you know, you go <laughs> yes. find the one that is right for you. So. Oh, very good. That is very good advice. Okay. Tell us what we're actually running out of time. Are you okay for another five or six minutes or do you, are you in a tight I'm good. schedule? Yes. Okay, great, great, no, great. We're good. All right. All right. Tell folks again how they can find you online. Laura V-A-B. That's Laura Victor Alpha Bravo dot com. And then you can track me down anywhere from there. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I went to your website right when we were talking and I looked at more swag. And you do have the little fox shirts on there, folks. Go <laughs> to go to lauravab.com. Is that what you just said? I did, yes. Okay. And nobody to wants to try to spell Laura Van Aaron Donkba. Like no, Nobody wants to try no. to spell that. So vab.com. <laughs> Cutest little shirts on here. There's all kinds of cool stuff on the website. Don't get me wrong, but I'm in love with that little fox. Okay, Songweaver's Vow, which, my goodness, I didn't even talk about with you. I'm telling you, you're going to have to be back on. Where where can folks find Songweaver's Vow? Any bookstore. If they don't have it in stock, they can order it easily for you. So your favorite online retailer, your favorite indie bookstore, wherever. should be everywhere. And what should your fans be looking for from you this fall or winter or just come I am working yeah I'm working I have several short stories and new anthologies coming out this fall two in October and November which I'm not gonna lie I think are hilarious like maybe I'm laughing at my own jokes I don't know but I've gotten really good feedback on them in the previews that we've done so um, the information on those will be on my website shortly and then I am working on revising an epic fantasy should be a trilogy if it, we'll see how good I am at revising. Should be a trilogy, uh-huh. and so that's my probably my next project, to, big project to come out uh, as far as novels go. Awesome! My goodness, you work so much. I do not even understand where you're getting your energy. You know what? You and uh, Davis Bunn. I want to know again. I think you're both getting hours in the day. The rest of us are not getting. That's that's <laughs> the only thing. That, that's the only thing it could be. Okay, it is a tradition on the Geek Block to end with some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Hit me. 
Good. In origin, Van Arendonk is German, Dutch, Swedish, or Guamanian? Dutch. Dutch. Which of these Dutchmen would win in, a thund in the Thunderdome? Eddie Van Halen, Famke Jansen, or Boss Rutten? Oh, my gosh. Um, Van Halen would have the best soundtrack. He would. Let's go there. Like, yeah. Okay, Van Halen. All right. You love chocolate. So which country do you think eats the most chocolate? Is it you, the United States, Germany, Ireland, or Switzerland? Switzerland. Yes, 19.8 pounds per person. Are you kidding me? Yes. That is a commitment. That's not just, that's not just a part of it. That's a commitment. All right. They're not messing these, around. No. No, they're not. They mean business. Which of these are faults about redheads? And if you have never seen Viking Barbie, she is, in fact, a ginger like me. And what of the, which of these is faults about redheads? We are more sensitive to pain. We require more anesthesia. Hitler forbade marriage with us. Or we are more likely to have blue eyes. Which of those is false? Ooh. More sensitive to pain. Um, require more anesthesia. Hitler said don't marry us. Or we're more likely to have blue eyes. I'm going to say one. it is. It's one of the last two. Like, I'm pretty sure you do require more anesthesia. Um, oh, man. I'm going to say blue eyes. You're right. My gosh, you're smart. It is true. We are more sensitive to pain. Hey, watch the Mythbusters special on that. We do require more anesthesia. I have awakened twice in surgery. And Hitler did indeed forbid Ooh. marriage with us because he felt the offspring would be deviant. And, you know, I can't say he's wrong on that. All right, number five, last but <laughs> not least. I always end the show with this question. Worst superpower, superhuman strength only while wearing an unflattering swimsuit or the ability to stop criminals only by spraying them like a skunk. Hey, as a seamstress, I would think okay, you'd so, have a whole different view on that. Well, actually, I, I'm going to, I don't know, maybe this is breaking, this, maybe this is breaking the rule, but I have to be wearing the unflattering swimsuit to have superhuman strength, right? But yes. you didn't say anything about not wearing anything else. So I could have that swimsuit on underneath, oh or like, gosh. I don't know, a really nice power suit or something. So that's the you first place my brain went system. is, Wow. Yeah. You win. Like, you I win all the things. Your question. <laughs> you absolutely did. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's it for us. That's it. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Laura, for being on the show. Can I? Oh, my gosh. This is a blast. Thank you very me. much. Can I get you back on at some point? Absolutely. This the was answer. a great time. Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thank you. You may go about your merry way. Train your dogs. Get on your treadmill and walk right and do all the mirror. And so at the same time, you can probably do all of those at the same time. Thank you for being <laughs> on the show. And we look forward to having you back. That is it for the Geek Block this month. I'm your host, Carla Hope. You can visit my blog at fightright, F-I-G-H-T-W-R-I-T-E dot net. And if you'd like me to edit your fight scenes, you can contact me directly through that blog. That is it for me. Until next month, God bless and stay weird. <laughs>